All right, good morning. Good to see everybody here at our main campus. Welcome to you guys that are joining us online. Two quick things before we get started. So last week we talked about this whole idea is we're starting this Advent series and it'd be great as a church to spend time together and do devotions together and just, again, as we're preparing our hearts to just stay on the same page and be able to do it and, and be able to see what each other's thinking. So anyway, so our creative team created a Bible uh, thing on our Bible app to be able for you guys to do devotions together. Just to give you an update, so, so far, we have over 170 people here at Life Church doing devotions together through the app. And again, pretty cool if you're on it and you're doing it, you're seeing what people are thinking. Like, you can comment and, you know, it notifies you. Like, these are the things that, you know, I feel like God's speaking about. So, if you are not on it yet, you can still go to the app, go to our resource tab. Once you click on the resource tab, there's a place called the Thrill of Hope. So you click on that and you can accept the invitation to be in our uh, Bible devotional together and you can keep doing it. It's 25 days and you can be able to join in. And again, we'd love for you to comment uh, and again, encourage each other through that. The other thing that's now added on there uh, is a Spotify playlist. So same thing, if you go through resources, if you go to the Thrill of Hope and you click on it, on there is a Spotify playlist. If you wanna know like songs that the worship team are singing and or things that you know you just wanna listen to uh, the, the Christmas stuff to go with it, that Spotify playlist is on there. And if you're joining us online, so just uh, think about this because it's going to be applicable at the end of the service. So you're going to use, we're going to have a, a time at the end of the service where we'll be talking about here in a little bit, where you're going to need to go to the resources tab and again, go to the Thrill of Hope. And on there, you're going to see a thing called reverse giving. We're going to talk about it at the end where you'll be able to uh, get on there and participate with us in that. So if you're listening online, Get out your phone, get on the app, and be able to, to be prepared for that at the end. All right, so Thrill of Hope, the series. What are we doing? What are we hoping for? What do we want to be able to get done? So here's the idea. It's an Advent series. If you've been in the church, you know what Advent is, which is preparation, right? So the idea of Advent is to prepare your heart to get ready for the coming season. So the obvious is for each one of us, we say this all the time, you don't want to go through everything and miss the reason for the season. Right, like that's what everybody says. Make sure you don't miss the reason for the season. And so how do you do that? Like how do you get prepared? How do you know? How do you make sure that you don't get caught up in the busyness? Because we do know this, right? That it, it is a busy time of the year, right? Whether you own a business, it's your year ends, it's get-togethers, it's Christmas shopping, it's wrapping presents, it's like everything that goes with this time of the year. Easy to get busy and forget the reason that we're celebrating. So the idea is in this Advent series, get your heart ready, make sure that you're prepared. And here's the hope, right? That it keeps going. You know, I guess I hope I don't, you know, make it sound like, hey, get ready for Christmas. And then once we're done, just go back to whatever you were doing. Uh, the idea that as we go through this, you're gonna get into the, the hope or the ability to be able to understand what Christ's birth means to us today in this season and what it means to you in the future. So here was last week, right? So last week we talked about how prophecy to the Jewish people at the time. So if you remember the, the uh, Jewish nation was a nation of people that had ups and downs, right? If you follow their story, you know, they had good times and then they had bad times. And so prophets would speak to them 
in both of those, good times and bad times, right? But throughout all of the Old Testament, the prophets would always say to them, the thing you need to be looking for is a hope to come, right? There's going to be a coming Messiah. The problem, right? And we talked about this last week. So part of the problem was when the Messiah did come, all of the Jews missed him or many of the Jews missed him. Why? Because they had created their own thing that they wanted, right? They created their own Messiah, the thing that they wanted saved for, because we told you, if you want to miss the Messiah, think about this. If you want to miss the Messiah, the way that you're going to miss him is create a Messiah of your own making that saves you from what you want saved from, not what he's trying to really save you from. Does that make sense? So you make up this, like, I want to be saved from this, marriage, relationship, money, whatever that stuff is, you make up that Messiah, and then when it doesn't happen, you're wondering why it didn't come, or you're missing him, instead of the reason or what we're looking for is to fulfill our greatest need, which is to be forgiven of sin. Right? The coming Messiah gave us the ability to be able to be forgiven of sin. Future hope, right? So that's what he said to the nation of Israel, and that's what he says to us today. So my challenge to you, who's already not seen but participated in, the Messiah has come, right? The Messiah has lived his life. The Messiah has died on a cross, and the Messiah has raised from the dead. So how now do we live when it's now not the prophecy to come, but a prophecy fulfilled? Well, here's what you need to think about. We talked about another prophecy that's yet to be fulfilled, and that is that Jesus is coming back, right? So here's the idea. There's still another prophecy coming, and Jesus is coming back, and the, the thing that will be answered the day that he comes back, whether that's the day at the end of your life or the day that he comes back to rapture the church, there will be an answer that you will have to give. Did you have your hope in the right place? Because the problem in culture today is we have misplaced hope, right? And at the end of a lot of people's lives, they're going to be standing in front of Jesus and he's going to say, I don't know who you are. And they're going to be like, how is that possible? The way that it was possible is you had misplaced hope, right? You had it in a Messiah that you wanted, but it wasn't the true Messiah. So last week we said, you need to figure out if you have misplaced hope, that was number one. And you need to figure out that just through this season for right now, is the way that you're celebrating the season, the things that you're doing, the way that you're spending your money, the way that you're spending your time, the way that you're preparing for your Christmas get-together, is it showing the true hope of the world or a misplaced hope? Because people are watching. But that was the challenge. So in the way that you're spending your time, what are your kids seeing? Are the hope in get-togethers and presents and food and family and all of that other stuff and not in Jesus? Or is, are they seeing, are kids seeing that through what we do, that the hope is in Jesus Christ, right? That was your challenge from last week. Now, here's the gap, right? So here's the challenging thing. So there was a promise that there would be a coming Messiah, but a Messiah, right, that gave us hope. But what we're going to focus on today is this idea that here was a prophecy, but that prophecy would have never been able to be fulfilled unless somebody said yes, does that make sense? So there was a prophecy of a coming Messiah, but that Messiah could not come, right, until somebody said yes, until somebody fulfilled the prophecy, until somebody said, yes, I will be that person. And so we're going to focus on Mary and Joseph, 
right? Because Mary and Joseph's story is the, obviously Mary said yes, and we see the fulfillment of hope in love. That's the, the word we're going to be focusing on today. Because they said yes, you can now experience the love of Jesus, right? Because prophecy of the hope was fulfilled, and now you're seeing the love through the coming of Christ, right? So how do you connect those two things together? Now, here's the problem. Here's prophecy, right? And on the other side of that is fulfilled prophecy, but what keeps that from happening? So when we say you just need to say yes, why aren't people saying yes? You know, what, what is it that's, that's keeping some prophecies from being able to be fulfilled at this time? It's all about faith, right? Because from a prophecy to an answer of a prophecy or a promise to an answer of a promise is somebody had to have faith, right? And that's what we're going to focus on today. So now, I wore this jersey for a couple reasons, right? The first reason is this. The Bears are on by, so they're going to win, right? They can't lose this week. So if you're a Bears fan, you could wear this with pride because this is going to be the week that they're not going to lose, right? Now, here's the other reason that I wore it, right? Is, is that when we put on a jersey, right? So when you, when you wear that jersey, when you're a part of, of, of those like cheering for your team, in fact, it's funny. So last night, um, as Sarah's wrapping presents, we were watching Indiana basketball because that's the other team that I like, you know. And so poor Sarah, she's had to watch football quite a bit. She's not the greatest football, doesn't like football that well watching it. And now she had to watch basketball last night on TV. Anyway, we get to the end of it and she leans over. She's like, Hey, babe, maybe you should pick some other teams. <laughs> right? Like, maybe you should cheer for somebody else, you know, because she has watched, like last week when I about broke her TV when the Packers came back and beat the Bears, right? Like, just there's this thing, and it's like, it's always been the same. If you cheer for the Bears and you cheer for IU, you tend to have these ongoing problems, right, where it just doesn't always work out. But here's the idea, right? So the idea is we put on our jersey. And again, I could tell you about the people that are on the team. I could tell you that the Bears, you know, are number one in rushing. I could tell you about Justin Fields. I could tell you about bad decisions of, sorry. It's like, what just happened over there? Bad decisions on what it looks like to, to get rid of certain people on defense, what it's going to look like to rebuild. Like I could tell you, in fact, when I watch, I feel like I'm engaged in the game. That's why you want to break the TV. You know, that's why you want to, you get all upset because you get engaged in what's going on. You feel like you're a part of the team, right? But here's the reality, right? You walk out on that field, you're not a part of the team, right? You walk out on that field, you're getting destroyed. You can, I mean, you tell them how to coach or you say, what's wrong with those players? Dude, you couldn't keep up for a second, right? Like we always tell how that you know, we sit on the sidelines and tell them how they should do things, but really you have no idea what you're doing, you know, at all. So that's how it happens. Now, why do I say that? Because the same thing happens with Christians, right? So here's what happens in Christianity, right? There's a difference between saving faith and living faith. We've talked about this before. Here's what a lot of Christian people love to do. So you went to church and somebody told you about a reality. Here's the reality that you need to be on the right team. If you're not on the right team, the consequences of being on the wrong team is hell, right? If you ever heard that in church before, right? It's like, there's a right team, the right team goes to heaven, the wrong team goes to hell. You should probably get on the right team. And you're like, where's my jersey, right? Sign me up, like, put me on the team, right? In fact, you put on the jersey, 
And you could probably talk about what we're getting ready to talk about, the Christmas story. And I heard in church one time, they talked about, you know, what this looks like. And you go down the road and, you know, Jesus was born and he's the Messiah. And this is what it says in the Bible. Like you could go through all of those things, right? But when it comes to living faith, like you getting in the game, you're nowhere to be found. Right? You're like, I got the jersey. I'm saved. I think I'm saved, right? Like, I'm on the right team. But then he says, okay, this is what I need you to do now because you're on this team. This is what I need you to do. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, living faith is something that's completely different. Because now you're asking me to do something that's going to cost me something. You see, when you give your life to Jesus, you're looking at it as like, well, that's a benefit for me. Who doesn't sign up for that? Right? Who's not signing up to put on the jerseys that saves you from hell? But then when you leave it there and he says, okay, now I really want you to be a follower of mine, which is living faith. Like that means do these things, Right? The reason that we don't do it is because in between there, we struggle trusting God. Right? I mean, that's the problem with faith, right? The problem with faith is, is that, because here's what you know. You know why you have faith in certain things? You know, like you could pick whatever, like I have faith in, you know, my car is going to start, or I have faith in whatever that stuff is. You know why? It's because you trust that it will be that because you've went out there and you started your car. You did whatever, and when you put your faith in it, it worked, and now you trust it, and now all the time you're out there like, yeah, I trust that this is going to happen, whatever it is. Does that make sense? Right, so we, our trust is the real issue. Now, when it comes to faith, this is what I want you to see. There's two reasons that people don't have living faith, right? I'm going to give you two reasons. One is, nobody's ever challenged you to have living faith. They're like, oh, you're saved? That's perfect. Now, I don't want to talk to you today. Sorry. I thought I had this on Do Not Disturb. Okay, got it. So, for us, nobody's ever challenged you, right? Like, you need to have living faith. Nobody's come up to you and said, you know what? You're wearing the jersey, but you know what? You have a real problem. You can't wear the jersey without doing something about it. Stop sitting on the sideline, get in the game. Anybody that's a follower of Jesus, stop sitting over there telling everybody else what they should be doing and you get in the game. Nobody's ever challenged you with that. You know, and you should have that person in your life that's like, dude, you got the jersey on, but ain't no dirt on it. There ain't no blood on it. There's no sweat. You need to get in the game. You need somebody to challenge you to say, you need to get in the game. You know, the other reason why people um, have a hard time with living faith it's because they have put their faith in something, and when they put their faith in that, it was completely, their trust was completely broken, right? Because if you look at Hebrews 11.1, 1, so we'll just go there real quick. So Hebrews 11.1 1 talks about what faith really is, right? So Hebrews 11.1, 1, and, and again, if you're going to go there, you could mark it because we're going to come back to it here in a little while. But Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see, right? So hope and assurance, right? Assurance that, that or confidence and assurance. So when you have faith, you have confidence and assurance. So here's how some of you have been. I come to church and somebody said, I need to have faith. And I put all my confidence in Jesus and all my assurance in him. And then what happened is something didn't work. And now your trust is broken. 
Has anybody ever been there? A few, right? Like I put all my hope in this, whatever that was, right? I put all of my, like, God, I trust you. And, and I want this to be able to happen. And all of a sudden it doesn't happen. And now you're like, can he be trusted? Can he really be trusted when the outcome of what I put my hope and assurance is didn't turn out the way that I thought it should be? So you're one of two places. Either you're sitting there with your jersey on and nobody's challenged you to do anything. And I hope through today that you're going to get challenged. I hope through today that you're going to see that the way to live is by faith. And or if you're at a place where you're saying, you know what? Um, I had my hope and I had my assurance and I had, you know, the, the, this idea of what living faith looks like. But you know what? I don't trust him anymore because I put all my hope there and it didn't work out the way that I wanted it to be. So I'm hoping that when we look at the Christmas story today, when we look at the, the story of Mary and Joseph, that what we can learn is what it looks like to have true faith. Because here's what I want you to see. And I hope you'll see this throughout the message. God has a lot of promises that he wants to fulfill, and the way that he's going to fulfill those promises is through you. That there is a world looking for the hope of a Savior, right? Because that's what we've already decided. We know where our hope and assurance is. Jesus Christ is our Savior. That's our hope. And you recognize that there is a world looking for that same hope, but you know how they get it? Is by you fulfilling the promise by you being hope into the world. But just so you understand, this is what you're gonna see. And I hope you're ready for this. If you're gonna be hope to the world, it's gonna cost you something. If you're, if you're gonna be hope to the world, it's gonna take you outside of your comfortable little life that you've been. Right? It's gonna take you out of what you have built around you to make you comfortable and move you into a place where God can use you. Because you understand this, right? God can't use you in this realm of comfort inside of your bubble. He can only use you when you're available to be able to be used by God. Now, if you have a Bible, turn to Luke 2. So this is what the, uh, uh, most of our main text is going to be around. So Luke 2 and Luke 1. But in this, this is the story, possibly, that you've sat around a fire and maybe your grandpa or maybe your dad has opened up and you've read before Christmas, right? This could be a familiar story that you've heard. Luke 2, starting in verse 1. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. Because he belonged to the house of the line of David, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Right? So this, in the story that maybe you've read, Right? Anybody have that tradition where you sit around, you read the Christmas story, and so, you know, Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem, and they went in a manger, and a baby was born. Right? And we're all like, it's so pretty. And then you close it up and then you spend the rest of your day opening up gifts and eating food. Right? So the idea of all of this is you read this, right? And you're saying, wow, you know, what a cool story. But if you go deep into it, here's what I want you to see. 
The promise of the coming Messiah would have never happened if Mary wouldn't have said yes, right? Like it would have happened through somebody else, but you know what I mean? Like it was coming because Mary made a decision that she's going to have to say yes. So here's what I want you to think about. How hard would it have been for a person at that time to fulfill the prophecy or the promise? How messy was that going to be for Mary and Joseph? Because when we read it, we just kind of read it and it's a cool story. And, you know, Jesus was born in a manger and we celebrate and we, we make it look all good. But we don't really get to the depths of what kind of faith, think about this, what kind of faith did it take for Mary to say yes? You ever think about that? Like what kind of faith did it take for Mary and Joseph to say, yep, I'm in. I want to be a part of this journey. I want to be a part of what's going on. So to see that, we need to go back to Luke 1. So if you're in Luke 2, you need to go back to Luke 1, and this is going to be verses 26 through 38. And so we'll look at like what gets Mary to the place where she has enough faith to be able to see the prophecy come true. Here's what she says, or here's what it says in Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father. Uh, the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, uh, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she, uh, and she who has said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. You know, we talked about no promise from God will ever fail. Now listen to how she responds after she hears all of that. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Now, we have any 12 to 14-year-old, 15-year-old girls out there? <laughs> anybody know any 12 to 15? Anybody even around any 12 to 15-year-old girls? Right, like, think about this, because this is Mary right now. Okay, Mary, when the angel came to her and she gave birth, 12 to 15 years old, right? Now, I want you to think about the faith that it takes for a 12 and 15-year-old to be able to say yes to this kind of thing. Now, think about it. So here's what Mary knew, right? So what Mary knew going into this, right, was is that she was going to face almost certain death, because if you are someone who gets pregnant outside of wedlock, do you know what's going to happen to a young girl, 12 to 13, 14-year-old girl inside of the Jerusalem culture if you get married outside of wedlock? Or if you get pregnant outside of wedlock? You get stoned. That's the law, 
right? So think about this. So when the angel came to her, we all think it's cool, and we read it around the fire like, you know, an angel of the Lord came to Mary, and she said yes, and she was a virgin, and she had a kid, and wow, that's really cool. But do you realize what she had to process before she said yes? I, in answering yes to this, I might die. You know what the other thing was? She was betrothed or engaged to be married to Joseph. And when she gets pregnant, how is your engaged partner going to take that one when he knows that you're a virgin? Anybody have any idea what the guy would be thinking? Yeah, right, pregnant by an angel, sure. Right? Like nobody's thinking that thing. So at the end of the day, she was going to have to face the scrutiny. Like, hey, who are you sleeping with? What were you doing? So she knew before she said yes that she's going to have to face the scrutiny from the person that she loves to be able to explain, no, that wasn't it at all. I still love you. Imagine how much tension there was going to be in that situation. You know what the other thing was? Public disgrace. For a 12 to 14-year-old girl is now going to walk into a village where everybody knows each other. What do you think the rest of the village is going to think? Whore, slut, what, you're not allowed to say whore? <laughs> Breeze like. <laughs> okay, whatever, right? People that sleep around, whatever word you want to put to it, right? That's what everybody would have thought of. Like the idea that, hey, this is a girl that's sleeping around. Public disgrace. You wouldn't have been able to stay in your village. Everybody would have been on you for the type of person that you, you claim to be, but now you are at this place, right? Now think about this. Think about the 12 and 13-year-old girls that you know today. Would they be able to take that and say yes? Yep, you know what? I'm willing and I'm ready and whatever it takes, I'm going to die for my faith. I would never deny whatever it is that God's called me to do. I'm never going to deny it. I'm going to step up. I have the faith. Anybody knows these 12 to 13-year-old girls? Anybody ready for that? When they can you know, barely stay on a schedule and get out of bed and stay on time. And you know what I mean? Like you got to get them. I mean, just think about this. Not even 12 to 13 year old girls, 12 to 13 year old boys or 15 to 16 year old. Like when we look at it all, we're like, would they have that kind of faith? Would you? Would you answer the question? Would you get to the place where your life could be on the line? And somebody says to you, hey, you know what? This is what you need to do, and it could cost you your life, it could cost you your reputation, and it could cost you everything in your life. Are you going to say yes? See, and you look at that, and you're like, how did that person ever get there? Like, how did Mary, as a teenager, get to the place where she would say, yes, I will die for my faith? You know where it starts? With her parents. So if you go back to her parents, one of the things that we know in the Jewish culture is that her parents dedicated her. Have you ever seen baby dedications at Life Before? So we do these baby dedications, not baptisms, but dedications. Same thing that would go with the culture back then. So they would dedicate their children to the Lord, right? You know what the idea is? Is that you'll do the best of your ability through all of their life to show them who Jesus is and that they will have faith. That was the idea. So as a parent... I'm going to create a culture and an environment inside of my home where my kids are going to see faith. I'm going to have them see, like, this is what it looks like to be a faithful believer of Jesus. So here's what you have to know about Mary, 
It wasn't that she had faith had never been tested before or never put in a position to test it before, you know, and then all of a sudden an angel asked her to give up her life, possibly to have baby Jesus. There had been multiple things in the life of that young person that said, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. Because you know how it works, right? Because the first time you're a little bit apprehensive and then you say, yes, I trust, and then your trust grows right? In anything, right? My trust grows, my trust grows, my trust grows as you make those decisions. So it was those things that happened in her life that gave them the ability because here's the reality. Here's what you know about United States of America. Parents, this is what you know about your children today. I hope you know this. For right now, right, you and your children, right? We say we want you to have saving faith because we want to see you in heaven someday. But to have living faith, do you realize they could live their entire life and never have to trust God? Because you really don't need money. Most of you have food. Most of the people in this room aren't walking out of this room worried about that because I made a decision for Jesus, I might die today. You realize that, right? Yeah, so what do we do? So what do we do as parents or what do we do as people to, to get us to the place? Because here's what I want you to see. Parents, listen for just a second. So if everything else was boring, please listen to me on this. I don't think I will see this, but I think maybe your kids will. A day where they're gonna have to make a decision when they proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior where their life will be on the line. Because you understand we're living more and more in a culture that's hostile towards Christianity, just in an overt way, right? And it hasn't turned into a physical way yet, but I'm just telling you, it's going to. If you follow the line of what God says, it's coming. My question is, are you prepared? Do you have your kids prepared? So when the day comes and somebody says, are you a believer? All you have to do is denounce Christ, and if you denounce him, you'll be saved. Will they deny him and walk away? Will you deny him and walk away, or will you have enough faith to say, you know what? <laughs> I've trusted him before. I'm trusting him today. You see what I'm saying, right? Like, that's what we need. And here's what I want to give you, right? So I want to give you a little bit of a, like, a precursor, because I know that's like, oh, my gosh, i got to think about my kids getting killed, or I have to think about getting killed. Like, how am I going to get ready? Here's what I want you to understand. God never asks you for your life before he asks you for something else to build your faith. You know what the first thing that he asks you for? Your time. Isn't that weird to think about this for a second? But one of the things he says, because you know how hard, hard it is, people talk about this all the time, like it's so hard to go to church and you know, it's so hard to be in a small group and it's so hard to, to be involved in community with other people and it's so hard and it's so hard. You know why it's so hard? Because you don't have any time. Anybody? Anybody just sitting around doing nothing? No, I agree. No, you're right. Ain't nobody sitting around doing nothing, right? Everybody is busy, but you know what he says? But trust me, there's nothing that will replace being here on a Sunday morning. I don't care what you think it is. Trust me. If you come here with the right heart, you're going to meet me today. Right, where we're thinking, oh, you know, I won't make the effort, I have to get in, I have to drive, I have to do, I could be doing. You see what I'm saying? He's asking, do you trust me? And when you make decisions to sit there and say, oh, no, I could do these other things, and we just don't trust what he said. We, he said, you need to gather together with God's people. 
That's what he said, right? And you need to trust me. And part of trusting me is showing up. Same concept, you know, people, you know, nobody needs another thing to do during the week. Anybody? Nobody needs another thing to do at night during the week. You got plenty of things to do. I'm just telling you right now, God tells you you need to be in community. You need to be in a small group. You need to be in a smaller circle. You need to get out of these rows and you need to get in a circle. But you know why you're not? You don't have enough time. You're looking at it and saying, what decision am I going to make? This time that I have decided of where I want to spend or am I going to give it to God and give it to other people and let him do something that only he can do through that? Right, so he's going to ask you for your time. You know what else he's going to ask you for? He's preparing you. So he's going to see, like, can you give up some of your time? Can you trust me in all of this? And if it's going to be worth it, even though it's difficult to do, you know what the next thing he asks you for? Your money. You know what's funny about that? Does God need your money? No, right? God doesn't need your money. You know why he's asking you for your money, right? And you know why he tells you that you should give your money to the tabernacle or to the church? Right, you know why that should be first? Because you have no control over it. See, people like to give when they can say, well, I'm gonna give to this. You know why you give to that? Because it's gonna get what I want. Anybody? Like, I'm gonna give to this because I get the result that I want. When you give to the church, you're like, I have no idea, right? And you're gonna, at some point when you give, because here's how I know how it works. We're coming into the Christmas season. Gifts for my kids, more gifts for my kids, money to the church. Credit card bill coming in January. Anybody, right? I need to save a little bit back because I got this stuff coming. I need to be prepared because I know that I have this coming because I did these things. And so we get to this point where God's saying, you know what, do you trust me? Do you trust me? You see what I'm saying? Like building. So it's starting with this. Okay, give me a little bit of your time. Give me a little bit of your resources. And as you start to do these things, you know, it's going to start building your trust. And then he says, give me your dreams. Give me your reputation. Give me all this stuff. If you start giving me all these things, this is what I'm going to tell you. As he builds that trust, then you can confidently say, if somebody came and stood in front of me today and said, Jesus, right? You can pick Jesus or you can pick life I'm picking Jesus because I trust him. But do you understand that Mary could have never got there, right, unless something happened here and something happened here and something happened here? And do you understand the responsibility as a parent of how you need to help your kids understand faith? Do you understand as somebody in a circle with other people how you need to help your kids understand faith? Like you need to put them in positions that would say, you need to see that God is faithful, You know, the first way that they see that, what are you doing? What decision are you making where your kids can say, like, I don't really get it, and mom's kind of talked about it, dad's kind of talked about it, but I just saw it. I just saw it by what they did. Because that's going to give them the ability to be able to build that faith. So that's the first thing, right, that we need to be able to process is that, that our faith acts on what God says. Right? So our faith in the beginning, right? we said uh, for each one of us that our faith trusts what God says, but it also acts on what God says. Right? So that's the next thing, he asked, um, that we will act. So he says, this is what I want you to do, but then we're going to act on those things. Now, think about this. So when they said yes, they had to take on what yes meant. 
Does that make sense? So when you say yes, you're thinking about all of these things, but now you have to take action into what those things. So faith that grows takes action into the things that God tells you to do. So think about when they said yes, here's what they were signing up for. An 80 to 90 mile journey being pregnant. Like really pregnant, right? Anybody ever been there? I hope no guy's like, yeah, man, I get but like you're at this place where when you're that pregnant, who wants to ride on a donkey in a desert for 90 miles? Some people are like, yeah, I'm in. You know, like anything to get that sucker out of me. If it's riding on a donkey, I'll ride on a donkey. Right? But most of the time, nobody's sitting there thinking like this is what I do. Nobody, and they didn't know this, but they had to keep acting out this. Nobody says, man, I want to go on an 80, 90 mile journey and I want to have my kid in a manger. You know the only people that say that? People who've never seen a manger. <laughs> you know, a lot of city people are like, oh, yeah, I've seen the manger. It's so beautiful. All this fresh straw and all these cool little animals and everything's clean. Like, have you ever been in a cow barn? <laughs> it don't look like that, right? There's poop everywhere. And that straw ain't always fresh. Right? Like it doesn't always look like that. So the idea or the concept of the actions of their life, right? The things that they had to do when they went into this was like, I want to take these actions. And when I'm taking these actions of faith, it's not always the way. It's not always as pretty as you think that it's supposed to be, right? But taking those actions, this is what I want you to see. So when they took these actions, all Mary and Joseph knew is, God, I can just give you what I have. So if you're saying, get on a donkey, <laughs> go to the city, even though it's 89, I'll give it to you. If it's like go into a manger, have the baby inside, whatever it is, we only have this and we give it to you. And because of that, this is what's so cool. You know, because they gave that to God, right? Because they took actions, because they decided to act on faith. You know what's so cool? They held heaven in their arms, because they went through the mess, because they said yes, because they went on the journey, they are now holding heaven in their arms, right? Not that they had it all figured out. They just said, yes, I'm willing to live in the mess. I'm willing to have a faith that's in the mess. And in the midst of all of that, here's what some of you are missing. You're missing holding heaven in your arms because you're unwilling to say yes and go through the mess. A world who's looking to hold heaven in their arms is missing it because Christian people are like, I'll put on the jersey, but keep me clean. Keep me clean. Like, I don't want to go to those places. I don't want to do those things, but we have to have the faith that acts from that. Here's the last one. Faith that remains faithful to what God says. Here's where it gets complicated. Faith that remains faithful, okay? Because if you haven't lived this journey, I'm just going to tell you the way that this works, right? So inside of faith, this is, this is the hardest thing for us to be able to understand, is that when you look at Mary and Joseph, right, and, and we think about our own faith, a lot of people have painted this picture for you that when you have faith, everything turns out really good and everything's better, right? So think about this. Mary and Joseph, because I think this is the way all of us would think, Mary and Joseph said yes. They did the 89 mile journey. They went to a manger. They had the baby. They did it. They did it. Now it ought to get better. Anybody? 
Right? You know how to get better. I made faith. I made decisions. I sacrificed. Because of my sacrifice, shouldn't it get better? So they settled. Jesus is born. It's about a year and a half. They're sitting there. They're getting their home. You know, Jesus is getting raised up. And then all of a sudden, they come and say, you know what? You better flee this place because they're coming in to kill all the babies. What? I thought you said if we had faith and all these things are going to happen, are you going to protect us and give us a good life? And where's our home? And where's our family? And can't we build all of this up? So he flees. They have to flee. They can't even keep their home. They have to go through the normal stuff, changing diapers and getting up all the time. Can you imagine that? Like, this wasn't just like you have a baby and all of a sudden Jesus never pooped his pants. Right, or Jesus never got up in the middle of the night screaming his little head off, you know, where somebody has to get up and take care of him. Anybody that's done this, right, it's not the easiest time of your life, right? Lack of sleep and everything that goes with that. And then I don't know, like I'm just <laughs> throwing this out there. Yeah, he was a teenager at some point. Anybody ever raised teenagers? <laughs> Something happens, right? Something goes on inside of a teenage brain that I can't ever figure out. Right? Like they just kind of go off the rails. Right? They're thinking, you're like, how do you think that? I don't know. They think they just lose their brain. I don't know if Jesus kind of lost his thinking. Probably wasn't that bad. But either way, he's a teenager. But think about this. So you got to go through all this. It's messy. It's not easy. They're raising the Son of God to this, moms. I want you to think about this to the Son that you love, tied to a post, beaten beyond human recognition. You went from holding him in the manger to him now strapped on a pole. And as a mother, you have to watch your son be beat beyond human recognition. Not only to be beat beyond human recognition, to be nailed to a cross and watch him die. Your son. Now think about that. When somebody says to you, when you have faith, life is easy and everything goes the way it's supposed to go. Nobody's saying, because here's what I'm telling you, faith that gives hope into a hopeless world is a faith that stays faithful in the midst of looking at something that doesn't make any sense. You realize that, right? Nobody in the world is looking for this faith that like all of a sudden and when things go bad, people just walk away. They're looking for people who will stay the course when they see their son on a cross and say, I didn't sign up for that. I didn't sign up for that. But regardless, I'm going to stay faithful. This isn't the way that it was supposed to be. But regardless, I'm going to stay faithful. That's the hope that the world's looking for. And too many times, our hope is put in like, well, we want it to be this way and this way and this way. And as soon as it doesn't go our way, our faith goes the other way. He's looking for and asking each one of us, will you remain faithful even when nothing in front of you looks right? even when the things that you thought this was going to lead to go in the opposite direction. Now, the worship team's gonna come back up and I wanna give you some things to think about here at the end, okay? So when we're thinking about this, here's what I want you to see, right? So we're gonna go all the way back to Hebrews 1 when we talked about that. So when you look in Hebrews, uh, or Hebrews 11, go back to Hebrews 11, we're gonna carry on with that verse because here's what I want you to see. So the crux of all of this, or the angst for all of this when it comes to our faith, the reason that we struggle with faith is, is we've talked about before, the reason we're struggling with this is because it's messy in the middle and it's difficult. 
And we live in a culture that wants to have faith that we can see things come out of our faith. If we have faith, this is going to happen. If we have faith, this is going to happen. And we struggle when we live maybe never seeing the fruit of your faith. Anybody ever been down that road? Like you worry that I'm going to make these decisions, but I made this decision and it doesn't seem like it's working. Like I made this decision and it doesn't seem like, even though I'm faithful, that God sees those things. So I want to read to you from Hebrews 11, starting in verse 2. This is what it says. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought, um, brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. Like right there is just even a perfect example. Abel did the right thing in the sight of God and Cain killed him. By faith, he did. And the result of what he did, none of us would be like, like, is that the way God works? Right, that if I'm faithful, why doesn't it turn out the way that I want it to turn out? Then he goes on and says, and by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commanded as, or commended as one who pleases God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he was uh, condemned. By faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteous. You know, and it goes on and it talks about this all the way through eight through twelve. But then it gets to the point where the angst begins, right? The the, the struggle. Verse thirteen. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on this earth. These are people who lived by faith and never saw the end. They didn't get what they thought they were going to get, but they stayed faithful in the midst of all of that. How? How does a person stay faithful when you don't see the fruit? Well, this is how. Verse 14. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Let me see this again. If they had been thinking of a country that they had left, they would have no opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country. You know how you do it? You know how you live by faith in a world that you might not get exactly what you want? is because you know this isn't your home. You know what you need to teach your children, parents? Like enjoy this earth, but this isn't your home. Enjoy the things that you've been given, but this isn't your home. Because if you're gonna put your faith in the things of this world, you are going to be disappointed. If your whole life is surrounded around the things that you wanna get and the things that you wanna be, if it's all about the things of this world, you are going to be disappointed when it comes to faith. But if you live with this in mind, you know what? Whatever he tells me to do, I've settled this in my heart. Whatever he tells me to do, I'm gonna do. Regardless if I get anything that I want. You know how you can say that? 
at the end of the day, I only want one thing. A relationship with my God and my creator for eternity. That's all I want. At the end of the day, the greatest gift that I could ever be given is that, right? The hope of, of God through Jesus Christ that I will spend eternity with him. And I'll do whatever he asks me to do, even if it means giving up my life, because at the end of the day, <laughs> Satan can't destroy me. I can't be killed. My physical body can go away, but I will live in eternity forever. That's why you can stand up and say, take whatever you want, but you can't take what I've been given. Right? That's what each one of us need. Now, here's how we're going to end today. So if you're online, right, we want you to go to your resources tab, go on to the Thrill of Hope, and go to Reverse Giving. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to help you, okay? Because you get to the end of a message like this, and a lot of people are like, what do I do? right? Like, how do I, in the world today, make decisions of faith where I can trust God? So we've said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to help you make that decision. So as elders and, and staff here at the church, we've decided to give to you $20,000, right? So we've taken $20,000, we've put $50 bills in each one of these envelopes, and we want to give them back to you, right? Now, I want to tell you a little bit of like what goes into this because in the past we've done this. If you've come to Life Church before, you've seen this. And in the past, we've never ever had any money, right? And when we do this, it was like, oh my gosh, we're giving away $20,000 and we really don't have the money and it's a really difficult decision to make, but we think it's what God's calling us to do. This is the first year we got to the end of the year and like, we have money. <laughs> but you know what happens when you have money? You're like, I better save it for a rainy day. Because who knows what next year's giving is? Who knows whether or not we're going to, who knows? So, you know, God blessed us, so we better keep it. We better hold on to it. And, and this is me internally. This is nobody else. This is me internally fighting with, you know, I don't know what will next year bring. And we've kind of expanded, and there's more people, and there's more ministry, and the budget is getting bitter. Maybe we better have a safeguard. And God's like, give it all away. There ain't no rainy day. I'm who you should trust, right? So I'm the one that's like, okay, okay, I get it, right? Like, we never had this option before. We never had any money. So I guess you just want us to have faith again, so we'll just give it away, right? So here's what we want you to do. So you're, this is your act of faith. I want you to take this envelope. I want you to pray about adding to this envelope. Because if you just think about this, if we gave you 50 and you take 50, Right, and you put in, it's $40,000 going in to show the love of Christ into the world. If you add to this, I'm like, we're praying if it might be 40, it might be 60, it might be, it might be $100,000, right? So whatever God says, you add to this envelope. So pray about that. One of your act of faith is how much money does God want you to put in here with what we've given you? The other one is, who are you gonna give it to? Because you know what? This takes an act of faith too. You know why? Because you know what all people do, all Christian people that give away money, they're like, I don't know what they're going to spend it on. They might go buy cigarettes, you know, and they might go buy alcohol. They might go buy drugs and they might go do, listen, listen, give it away. It's not yours to control. It's not yours to do. All we want you to do is say, by faith, God put somebody on my mind. I'm putting money in it and I'm giving it because here's what I'm trusting. You know what I'm trusting? I'm trusting that God's going to give them the opportunity through the hope that we show them to hold heaven in their arms, that they're going to see Jesus for the first time through you.
right? That's our prayer. So what we're going to do, right? So I'm going to pray, but at the end, you're going to come up as kind of a, like a, a proclamation, like I want to be a part of this. I want to do this. So we're going to have people here in the front. You come up and grab an envelope. So for your family, so it's like one per family, except for like if you have teenage kids, right? Like if you have kids and they're like, hey, I got my own circle that I want to give to, we just encourage you to come up right? Like we want you to come up to be able to take this money. So it's not strict on like just one per family. We might run out. If we run out, we'll get more, right? That's just the way it's going to be. If we run out, we're going to give more. So I'd rather it all run out. I don't want any of it left, right? So we want you to come up and take that envelope and, and take it back. And again, in that process, as a proclamation to say, I'm going to live by faith. And as a proclamation that I'm going to trust God in giving away this money, that we're going to show hope to the world. Good? All right, so if you're online, you can go onto the resource tab. When you go onto the resource tab, Thrill of Hope, you can fill it out, and we will send you one of these, right, so that you can do the same thing. All right, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to gather together. We thank you that you challenge us to look at the story of Joseph and Mary, Lord, and we have that same faith. Even though it's messy and even though it's difficult, Lord, we want to be a part of this. Inside of this Christmas story, the action of our faith can connect prophecy or promise to a world and show them the love and the hope of you, Jesus. So Lord, I pray that this money is multiplied and that these gifts that are given, Lord, that people will see the hope through each individual that gives us, that gives them to them, Lord. We pray that they will see Jesus, they will see you through this. Heavenly Father, we love you. In your name we pray, amen. If you'd all please stand and join us in these last few songs.
We got one more song for you guys today. It's a little mix-up of Away in a Manger. So if you don't know it, I want you to pay attention to the words as it tells the story of God in a manger all the way to the resurrection. Let's sing this out. Away in a manger, a baby is born. The sovereign of heaven, whom angels adore, is wrapped in the weakness of our mortal frame. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. So I want to end with the scripture that we read in Hebrews 11, where it talks about by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, this is what I want you to see. 
And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. Like that's been the prayer that I've had for my life for a really long time, right? Like I would love to be able to put my name in that place. By faith, Mike still speaks, even though he's gone, right? That the idea that when we live by faith, And when we live out the things that God has called us to do, our life will live on forever through the faith that we've given to people. And that's my prayer to you. Like my prayer for you is is that when we live out this faith, the faith that God blesses, the faith that he wants us to be a part of is one that will live on forever and ever and ever. And I hope that for all of us. So again, don't forget, pray about what you need to put in. Pray about, again, who you're going to give it to. We still have envelopes left. I don't know if Jennifer's still in, whoever's back there. And on the way out, I don't want any. Like, take them, put money in them, give them away. We don't want envelopes left. If you're on your way out and you're saying, listen, I know somebody else I want to give, I want to be able to do, get them and take them on the way out. So, again, thanks for joining us online. Thanks for joining us on our main campus. We'll see you guys next week.